What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 10 After 7 podcast on YouTube with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. I'm back and it's December, so I have no other choice than to spread some joy with this podcast today. It's episode 45, so shout out to the first number 45 who popped in my head. He's a Texas high school football legend, Permian High School to be specific, the star of the Friday Night Lights movie, the electrifying running back, number 45, Booby Miles. And yes, I'm absolutely convinced we would be talking about an NFL booby miles if his leg didn't snap in half. Let's start with today's podcast by talking about the big bad NFL. I'm going to take you back to March when everything in the world shut down. We didn't have our sports. And I started this podcast by talking about a Michael Jordan documentary that was 10 hours long. I even talked about how many books I was reading. And you guys probably looked at me like, this guy can't fucking read. What's he talking about? I'm actually on book number seven and it's month number 12, so I'm behind and I admit that. But during all of it, we were looking at every single commissioner of our four major sports and saying, which one should we trust? Which one should we follow through it all? Which one of these guys is going to put sports back on our televisions? And from the get-go, I said, we got to trust Adam Silver. He's the smartest guy in the room. I'm going to follow that dude's lead. And he did it right. He created the NBA bubble. And that virus didn't even fucking sniff that thing. The Los Angeles Lakers ended up as world champions, and I'm happy about that. And then you had baseball with Rob Manfred, and I said, no way I'm going to follow that buffoon. He's going to fuck it up some way, somehow. The Miami Marlins had an outbreak. Then the St. Louis Cardinals had an outbreak earlier in the season. We thought it was all in jeopardy. And I was looking at Rob Manfred like, look at this fucking guy. Of course he was the one to fuck it up. But he said, nope, we're going to finish the regular season. Even if we have to play doubleheaders left and right, we're going to get to our playoff bubble and let the Los Angeles Dodgers become world champions. And I'm still living on a high about that. And then the NHL with Gary Bettman, he created a bubble. And I think the Tampa Bay Lightning won. People have forgot that. I definitely didn't watch a bit of it. But it was the first time Gary Bettman didn't get booed while handing out the Stanley Cup trophy. And while all this was going on, we said the NFL has the best seat in the house. Roger Goodell's sitting pretty because the season doesn't start till September. And he could kind of watch every commissioner do his thing and say, I'm going to do what that guy did and not do what that guy did. And we're going to go full steam ahead. But the NFL, where we got it wrong, is they weren't going to follow in anyone's footsteps. They were going to do what they're doing right now. And that's not letting this virus affect their season at all. They're going to put protocols in place, testing daily, not create a bubble, but everything is going to be okay. We're not canceling a single game. That's the bottom line. We're not canceling a game because of this virus. And that message was loud and clear on Wednesday of this week when the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers played an afternoon game. Of all the things to happen in the year 2020, an NFL afternoon game on a Wednesday is pretty far up there. And I must admit, I threw up an illegal stream and watched the first half of that thing. The Pittsburgh Steelers won 19-14, sloppy game, but they're 11-0 and no one's talking about them enough. But man, is the NFL flexing their muscles, but are they going to trip up at some point? Roger Goodell went on at halftime of the Wednesday game, got interviewed by Mike Tirico. Mike Tirico simply asked, why did the Denver Broncos on Sunday play a game with a wide receiver from the practice squad at quarterback? 
And why did you postpone Baltimore's game a week after Thanksgiving night when it was supposed to be played? And he simply said, listen, Baltimore had an outbreak. They didn't have control of it. So we had to postpone it all the way to Wednesday until they had enough negative tests to go forward with the game. The Denver Broncos, their quarterback room was the only people to get infected. They had control of the outbreak. And that's why they had to play with a wide receiver at quarterback from their practice squad who didn't take a single snap throughout the week. But no game was canceled. And that right there is the message going forward. He opened the door for Wednesday afternoon games going forward this season. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get an even crazier start time. But the bottom line is no games are getting canceled. But Roger Goodell was even asked in that interview, does he have a bubble in place when they get to the playoffs? And he said, no, not at the moment. Because right now, I believe our protocols are safe. Listen up. I think the NFL would be stupid and naive if they think their protocols are safe enough come playoff time. Because what if Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs quarterback room is infected? What if Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a quarterback room infected? That's when the NFL is going to be shaking their boots and saying, okay, because the Denver Broncos, we don't care. They're not star-driven. They have Drew Locke at quarterback, and I don't know if the average fan even knows that. They've been awful this year. And you know what? Denver's to blame, too. This isn't the NFL just saying, hey, we don't care about competitive balance. The Denver Broncos, and across the league, a lot of teams are putting one emergency quarterback separate from every single quarterback, only doing Zoom sessions to keep him healthy in case a situation comes up like the Denver Broncos had on Sunday. But Roger Goodell and the NFL, and there's a lot smarter people out there that can get a bubble done. I know how many people you have to suit up in an NFL. The logistics of it don't really make sense. But a bubble must at least be thought about come playoff time because if the NFL is missing a star like Patrick Mahomes in a pivotal playoff game, that's when everyone's going to put their hands up and say, all right, it's a wash. Because right now the Chiefs are a front runner, and if Patrick Mahomes isn't playing, they are at a disadvantage, and anyone and anywhere can beat them. But the NFL, from day one, I think their plan was to never cancel a game, and that's exactly what they're doing. And right now it's ugly. It has been an ugly year as far as this postponement of games. What we had on Sunday, and it might get uglier, but the bottom line is the NFL won't cancel games. They just want to get to the playoffs, and they're going to have that Super Bowl in February in Tampa Bay. Now let me move on to Patrick Mahomes. There's not a more exciting athlete to watch, in my opinion, right now than Patrick Mahomes. No one makes it look easier, and I want to go back to the beginning of this season. Remember the talk was... Russell Wilson, the front runner for MVP. How can this guy have gone his whole career without receiving an MVP vote? And then he kind of lost it and people said, oh, Josh Allen through four weeks, he's the MVP front runner. And then Kyler Murray was the hot name for a hot second. We said, oh, is he the MVP? And the MVP became a hot potato each and every week this year. And it took us 12 weeks to finally realize, oh shit, Patrick Mahomes 30 touchdowns to two interceptions, throwing the ball around to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. That dude is the MVP. And right now, 
No questions asked, no doubt about it. He's going to run away with this MVP, and the Kansas City Chiefs are the front runner to win it all. And by the way, must add, that was my preseason pick for MVP. Or for the Super Bowl. My bad. Kansas City Chiefs. And even when Patrick Mahomes signed that $500 million contract, we said the dynasty was starting, and the dynasty has absolutely started. And the last NFL note I want to talk about, I want to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Boy, do they have a much-needed bye week coming up this week because already the talk, the media waves, everyone around the NFL is talking about trouble in Tampa. Is Bruce Arians have too much control of the offense? Should Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback to ever live, have more control? Should they go back to the ways that he was in New England? Picking teams apart by underneath routes. Death by a million paper cuts. That was the way New England beat you. Tom Brady getting rid of the ball in two seconds. Death by a million paper cuts. Julian Edelman, 10 yard out. Julian Edelman across the field for 10 yards. Rob Gronkowski over the top for 15. And for some reason, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have looked out of sync the last couple weeks. Steamrolled by the New Orleans Saints. And if you watch the game against Kansas City, they really didn't have a chance. The final score said they won by three, but Kansas City could have won that game by 100. Tyreek Hill had 269 yards total. But it went back to the how many three and outs Tom Brady and the Buccaneers have had. You could tell. If you watched Tom Brady over the years, you watched them against Kansas City and against New Orleans. And Tom Brady has all the weapons that he needs. That was one of the reasons he left New England, right? They didn't have enough weapons. Bill Belichick wasn't picking the right guys. Well, now he's got Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, even Scotty Miller's his newfound love. But Bruce Arians' offense, he needs to come off a little bit. And Tony Romo, who announced the game against the Chiefs, basically had every and any excuse for Tom Brady as to why Tampa Bay hasn't been getting it going with Tom Brady at the helm. And I honestly think Bruce Arians is probably being a head coach. Having too much power of the offense. You have the greatest quarterback at your disposal. You should probably let him do what he does best. So Tampa Bay, trouble there. I don't know if they figure it out. They're definitely a playoff team. We've seen them, and the anomaly was the Green Bay Packers. They blew them out, and that's when everyone started to talk about, "Uh uh-oh, Tampa Bay's getting it going. But this bye week can probably be the most important week to Tampa Bay. Does Bruce Arians finally realize, okay, let's have Tom Brady take control of this offense? I want to move on to college football. How did I fall out of love with college football? Well, the year 2020, it did it to me. I realized at the beginning of the college football season that it's a regional sport. I didn't really care that the SEC was the only conference playing and then the Big Ten came along and Ohio State was really the only juggernaut there. And I said, I don't really care about that. I just want USC to get going. And Pac-12, of course, was the last conference to get going. So everything was kind of up in the air. Conferences starting at different times. No non-conference games. And that's where the bragging rights come in. Everyone loves when the Pac-12 takes on a Big Ten team. You get to say, oh, we beat you guys there. We could beat your best. And we don't have that this season. So when the playoff committee has their top 25 rankings on Tuesdays, I don't really care. The storyline really is BYU wants to be involved. 
Cincinnati is another undefeated team that wants to be involved. It was announced that BYU is going to play Coastal Carolina, another undefeated team. What's that going to do for their ranking? I don't know. Right now, the top four ranking is Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State. Ohio State's only played four games. Who knows if more games are going to be canceled in the Big Ten. College football, if they want to be relevant, and I'm a huge college football fan, but for some reason this year I'm not. I've watched a handful of games. I thought Clemson-Notre Dame was a great game. I watched Notre Dame and North Carolina the Friday after Thanksgiving. That was a terrific game. And I watched USC's three full games. But other than that, they don't have anything moving the needle. And the Heisman, the Heisman watch is usually probably the most fun thing to follow when it comes to college football. It was just like the MVP award at the beginning of the NFL season. Who has it this week? Who had the big game this week? Who's the front runner? And right now it's Kyle Trask at Florida. And I don't think 75% of America knows even who Kyle Trask is. I've watched a couple quarters of Florida, but we're not even going to care about Florida because they're not going to be in the top four. And this guy's Heisman is going to be the most forgotten Heisman of all time. If college football wants to be relevant, I don't know if it's possible. It's probably not. They're sticking to the top four, the final four playoff. If they could just open it up to 16 teams, Division Two and Division Three have their 16-team bracket every year. And I usually stumble upon, I think Villanova was in it one year. I know North Dakota State wins it. But if college football this year could just say, okay, it's a wash. Not every team is playing as many games as the other teams are. Some teams aren't eligible eligible because they're not playing enough games. Here it is. Open it up to 16 teams. Let the BYUs of the world, the Coastal Carolinas of the world, prove Let's see if they could beat a top dog. One for 16. Make it a college basketball format. I know um, it's a pipe dream, but this would be the best case scenario. Everyone would be all in on a 16-team playoff format. And I guarantee you right now, Cincinnati, another team that wants to be involved in the playoff, they will, they would knock off a top-notch team. Luke Fickle, their head coach, came from Ohio State when they were reeling off victories with Urban Meyer, I guarantee you Cincinnati can handle a big dog and we would have upsets. But for right now, college football is a wash to me. I'm going to absolutely forget about this season. Will I watch the top four playoff? Of course. But who knows? If At this point, no one's been able to control the virus at the college level. No one knows if they have even have a game coming up this weekend. And the best case scenario, open it up, 16-team playoff, please, yes, thank you. Make me fall in love with college football again. Because this year, I'm out. We're going to talk about the NBA, and I'll tell you what, the NBA is the king of the news cycle. You could run around with an NBA rumor and have a discussion for hours on hours. Over the last two weeks... Three weeks. We've had the NBA draft hit us right in the face. We had free agency hit us right in the face. The NBA ended in the middle of October, and they're having a quick turnaround and starting their season three days before Christmas. And boy, have we had tons to talk about. Listen, the draft really didn't have any top guys outside of LaMelo Ball, who we knew knew about when he was 14 years old. Anthony Edwards was a top pick. Uh, James Wiseman, who played three games at Memphis. It was just a eh. NBA draft. No one really cared about that. And then free agency opened. And that's when we really started to give a shit. Chris Paul ended up on the Phoenix Suns. 
That's a great tandem right there with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. We know they went 8-0 in the bubble. Who knows how they're going to do over an 82-game stretch. But Phoenix got better. And then one team you got to talk about is, of course, the world champion Lakers. And boy, did they get better. Re-up, reload. This team's on a pace to go to a three-peat. And no one's gone to a three-peat since the last Kobe, Shaquille O'Neal, three-peat Lakers. But this Anthony Davis and LeBron James Lakers teams, they're on the front runner to do it. What they did in free agency, Dwight Howard left, sorry about it, Mark Gasol, come on down, replace him. Rajon Rondo left to the Atlanta Hawks. You know what? Dennis Schroeder, we're going to trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Second man. Finished second in the uh, sixth man of the year voting. Thank you very much. He was a walking bucket for OKC when Chris Paul wasn't on the floor. Bring back KCP. Bring back Morris. Who else we got? Oh, the sixth man of the year award winner. Let's take him from the Los Angeles Clippers, who everyone thought was going to win the title. Montrez Harrell, come on down. And just yesterday on Wednesday, Montrez Harrell. Why did I say Montrez Harrell? I have no idea why. Just yesterday on Wednesday, LeBron James signed a two-year contract extension worth $85 million. And you know what talks? You know what tells the story about a guy signing a two-year contract extension worth $85 million? No one had a bad word to say about it. No one was going to be on the take that LeBron James is washed. The Lakers shouldn't have signed him. I mean, I couldn't find one, and there was probably a crazy mf'er who tweeted out that it was a dumb contract, but it was probably a troll because no one had a bad word to say about LeBron signing a two-year contract extension with the Lakers. And then the very next day, what we were all waiting for is Anthony Davis signing the max deal five years, $190 million to return to the Lakers. Yes, that's what the Lakers did this offseason. Yes, if there's any front runner above the Lakers, I haven't heard of him. And then to finish this podcast, of course, I got to talk about the Los Angeles Clippers. There was a profile yesterday on The Athletic. Joe Vaughn Buha, I think his name is. I'm pronouncing that so wrong. But it detailed the chemistry issues that the Los Angeles Clippers faced this past season. If you remember, we shit on them because they had a 3-1 lead in the Western Conference semis against the Denver Nuggets and blew that. And Paul George said, oh, it's all right. It wasn't championship or bust. Think again. And man, was there chemistry issues with the Los Angeles Clippers. And here's where it starts. When you signed Kawhi Leonard to this contract to come to the Clippers and you traded away a million draft picks to acquire Paul George to be his partner, this is what you got. Some of the perks included the Los Angeles Clippers, Leonard and George last year. Leonard and George were the only players to have their own personal security guards and trainers. That's where the rift started. Think back a few years ago when the New England Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, the rift started to start. Yeah, we know about the Jimmy Garoppolo, but remember the Alex Guerrero stories? Bill Belichick said Tom Brady has this guy coming around, his own personal trainer. Yeah, you know what? Alex Guerrero, you're not allowed on team flights anymore. That's where the rift started there. So own personal security guards and trainers, Los Angeles Clipper players were already looking sideways at Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Let's go to the next perk. 
Leonard and George have power over the team's practices and travel schedule, leading teammates to believe Leonard canceled multiple practices. We talking about practice? Kawhi Leonard having control over practices is wild. And I feel like Paul George, who isn't good enough to ever have these powers, I guess if you're the Clippers, you're willing to do anything to get to your first Western Conference Finals, which you still haven't done with these guys. But you're going to do anything to acquire Kawhi Leonard, but I think asking for too much. But where's Doc Rivers? I mean, if you're going to list these things that the players had trouble with, Doc Rivers has got to be the guy to say, hey, that players don't have control over practice. I'm the guy that makes, makes the practice schedule. But apparently Kawhi Leonard had final say on practices and he canceled multiple practices. And here's the great one. Leonard was allowed to live in San Diego and commute from there, which often made him late for team flights. Kawhi Leonard's batshit crazy. The guy doesn't say too much, doesn't really talk to the media. We know he has a weird-ass laugh, and that alone tells you the story about how weird Kawhi Leonard is. But if you're willing to live in San Diego and commute to work in L.A., I don't care if you have a helicopter or not, that seems like the biggest pain in the ass. And of course you're going to be late. That's just stupid. It doesn't make sense to live in San Diego and work in L.A. But I guess if the Clippers let them do that, and I guess if you live in San Diego, some days you're like, all right, yeah, I don't want to go to practice today. It's too far of a drive, too far of a helicopter ride. So that just doesn't make sense. Everyone can relate to that one. You're stupid if you live in San Diego and work in L.A. And here's the big one. Leonard and George typically didn't speak to the media until at least 45 minutes after games concluded. This usually resulted in their teammates speaking with the media first and for longer, essentially becoming the public voices of the team. Of course, that would piss me off. Because games like Paul George had in the playoffs when he shoots two for 14, scores nine points, or Kawhi Leonard has an off day, usually he doesn't have an off day because he only plays, what, twice a week? But if you have the other guys having to answer the questions, no one wants to deal with the media in general. But it should be your star guys. Those are the guys that all the media members are going to. You let the other guys off the hook most of the time. And when they finally have to, maybe in a playoff game, when it's their time to shine, when they have their podium games, they'll go up there and talk or they'll admit to their mistakes. But that kind of sucks when you leave everyone else out to dry, when they have to ask, answer the questions after a loss because the star players aren't doing it. I mean, this is bad. These guys didn't come out until 45 minutes after games are over, letting the other guys answer questions because we know players don't like to answer questions at the end of games. Win or lose, they just want to get home. And when the star players aren't willing to answer the questions, of course the other guys are going to be looking around saying, where the fuck are these guys? They get all the praise when we win. But when we lose, we're the ones that get blamed. The supporting cast isn't good enough. But win or lose, we have to answer the questions because these guys are taking their old sweet old time because they don't want to face the media. They don't really care to do so. Insane. And of course, teammates also believe that Leonard and George were able to pick and choose when they played. Not only did they sit out games entirely, but also at times they accepted or declined playing time in the moment. 
These are all perks with these players, but I can't read this without saying Doc Rivers had no goddamn control over this team. And I've heard a couple of podcasts where Doc Rivers didn't really like practices often. He loved the L.A. lifestyle. He loved golfing 18 holes sometimes per day. So I guess he liked the fact that Kawhi Leonard was here and he chose when to practice or not. But Doc Rivers, I mean, I liked him as a coach. I've said on this podcast that I think he's living large off that 2008 championship title that he had with the Celtics because he had some great Clipper teams that he didn't take to the Western Conference Finals. But if, you, if the players are going to complain about the star treatment, which star treatment is all around, across sports, there's star treatment everywhere. I'm sure LeBron James has star treatment, but he's also a good teammate. He also takes the questions at the end of games. He also praises his teammates at the end of games. But it all goes back to the head coach. That's the dude that should be the voice. And he lost his voice in this locker room. It's detailed in there because I think he gave way too much leeway to a guy like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And the last note I want to talk about in this article is the players had a problem with Paul George kind of piggybacking every single perk that Kawhi Leonard had because they looked at him like, what the hell have you done in your playoff career? You've done nothing. Yeah, you've been in the MVP conversation a few times. Yeah, you went to the Eastern Conference when you were with the Indiana Pacers against LeBron James. But that's about it. Kawhi Leonard's won finals MVPs. He has world championships on his resume. But who the hell are you to be making decisions around here? But it looked bad with the Clippers in this article detailed it. Check it out on The Athletic. They hired Tyrone Lue to be the coach. He dealt with some personalities in Cleveland with LeBron James. But like I said, LeBron James is a great teammate. But that's all I have for today's podcast. I'm all about the month of December. I love Christmas. I'll be wearing Christmas sweaters every damn day. I'm watching all the old classic Christmas movies because I can't stand that all these new ones are coming out. I'm not a new Christmas movie guy. They're never going to live up to the hype of the Home Alones, the Christmas Vacations, the Grinch with Jim Carrey, and I've watched all three of those already. And if I had to rank them, Right now, Home Alone is probably the best. Grinch with Jim Carrey's two. And Christmas Vacation's three. And when I keep watching these classics, I'll have ranks each week. But I'm not a new Christmas guy. And if you have a new Christmas movie that you think's great and you can live up to the hype of the old ones, let me know. But I don't think there is one. But thanks for tuning in to the 10 After 7 podcast with your host, Michael Cody Stevenson. You can follow me on Twitter at 10 After 7 or on the Instagram at 10 underscore after underscore 7. I'm out. Woo! Go Dodgers.